Good morning and good morning. Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank God for another day, a beautiful day. Wherever you may be listening to my voice, thank God for a wonderful, beautiful day that he has made. Let us all be thankful. Let us rejoice. I said rejoice and be glad in it. Aren't you thankful today? Aren't you ready to give him praise? Aren't you ready? You're willing, you're alive, you're well. You're thanking God for all he has done, all he's doing, and all that he is going to do. Good morning and good morning. We thank God for this wonderful, beautiful, blessed day that he has made. We give him honor, we give him glory, and we give him praise. We thank him right now. We magnify his holy name. We lift him up and we thank him. And we just give him the thanksgiving that he deserves and all that he has done and all that he is doing. We thank God today again. We thank you for tuning in and listening today and listening to this broadcast. We give you praise. We give we give God praise and we give him the glory and the thanksgiving. We magnify his holy name. He is worthy to be praised. We thank him. And we just want to make him ready for prayer and uh, for you or anyone that desires and all the things that is happening in our world today and all the people that that uh, request or desire prayer, we're praying for you. We're praying for anyone that have lost any loved one in bereavement and sadness, loneliness, and all of that, all of those things. So we thank God today. You ought to praise the Lord today. You ought to give him glory. You ought to give him thanksgiving. You ought to magnify his name for he is good. He is good. We thank him today. We thank him today. So we magnify his name. We we hope that you are uh, being impacted by the words and the broadcast of this ministry. We just pray that God would lead us and continue to do what he have and what he will do with us. Amen. Amen. And so we want to make ready to pray for you right now. Give God the glory. Give him the thanksgiving. Come on, pray with me. We want to thank God today. We praise him. Come on, let's go to the throne of grace. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you right now. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you thanksgiving. We magnify your name. We lift you up. We praise you, Lord, for all you've done and all you're doing and all you're going to do. We thank you right now. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you today. We ask that you come in and touch hearts, touch minds. Father, fill them with your spirit and your presence. Father, that you would intervene in whatever circumstance that's going on in their lives, in their hearts and in their minds. We thank him right now. We thank you right now. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise. We honor you for all things, and we magnify your holy name. Touch today, Lord. Send your healing. Send your deliverance. Send your healing power. Break the yokes. Break the bondage of addiction, of slavery, of sin, and anything that may have your people in captivity. Father, we thank you right now. And Father, we ask you to let your anointing be over this ministry and the words of my mouth. 
that you allow your spirit to use me, that I humble myself before you to be used by you, and that your Holy Spirit will speak through me, that your people will hear your voice through my voice. In the name of Jesus, we praise you. We thank you right now. We give you glory. We give you thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Don't you want to give him praise? Don't you want to give him praise? Because he's worthy of the praise. We thank God today and magnify his holy name. For he is worthy of the praise. You ought to think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for you and everything that he's doing right now. You know, he loves us so dearly, so wonderfully, that he continually gives us chance after chance after chance. And we thank him today for that. And we thank him for all he's done. And we thank him for all he's going to do. Today, we want to make ready to turn your attention to in the Bible, uh, to the word of God that we want to share with you today. And, you know, we've been talking about casting your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you and that he really does care for us because of the love that he has for us. And we ought to be thankful. We ought to be so grateful for what God has done and what he's doing and what he's going to do because he's worthy of the praise and we magnify his holy name. And we just want to lift him up, but we want to share in the word today the thing you may be dealing with and the things that we're seeing today in this world today, in this dispensation of time, with all of the chaos, with the wars, with the storms, with the killings, with all of the things that are happening. And today we want to bring your attention to that. We say it again, when we share it with you before casting your cares upon him because he cares for you. Today we want to talk about the word that very heavy. It's not a polite word. It's not an exciting word. And it's a very dampering word that dampens your spirit when you hear these things. And that's murder. Murder. And what we want to talk to you about today is in, in Matthew chapter 5. It'll begin at verse 21 where it talks about murder begins in the heart. Murder begins in the heart. What we want to share with you today that no matter how much pain that you are dealing with or going through, that murdering or taking someone's life is not the answer. It's not the answer. And Jesus spoke against these things. And this particular thing is what we're about to discuss or share with you on today. It, shared, it, it mentions it begins in the heart because this is the thing that I've been trying to mention about casting your cares upon him because he cares for you because it stems from unforgiveness. And when you don't allow forgiveness to be in your heart for whomever and however the pain that you're dealing with right now to be released or to be healed or be delivered from, that thing was set up of festering like a sore in your heart. And when you hold on to it, it will not let go. And eventually, over a period of time, you will explode. You will explode. And that's not a good thing. And it builds evil thoughts. It builds all those things. 
And this thing starts with three things that start with anger and insults and hatred. It builds these things. And this is what causes the thing that we're seeing today to happen. But Jesus gave us an opportunity to be able to forgive. And I've read to you the Lord of Lord's Prayer many, many, many times. I'm going to read it to you again. And that particular verse is the latter verse of the Lord's Prayer that I read to you before. And it was in verse 14. But we're going to read in Matthew 6. Before we get back to Matthew 5 and 21. The Lord's Prayer where we start with 6 and 10, where it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Understand that Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven. He's all of ours, Father. No matter who we are, no matter what gender we are, no matter what color, no matter what nationality we are, we're all God's creation. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. See, your kingdom, Lord, your will on this earth should be done. Your will be done. Your will, not our will, your will. On earth as it is in heaven. In order for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we have got to humble ourselves unto him. Give us this day our daily bread. Like right now, today, give us today your daily bread which is your word. Feed us your word. And the Bible lets us know that they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. And in order for you to live according to the will and the ways and the means and according to the commandments of the Lord Jesus, we got to, we got to meditate on his word day and night, his daily bread. So give us this day, this day right now, our daily bread. Daily bread, our God's word should be our daily bread. Daily bread, not social media, not the news, not CNN, not Fox News, not any, any of these. Those, those are good to hear the information you need, you need to know what's going on in the world. But I'm talking about spiritual food for your soul. Spiritual food for your soul. So he goes on in the Lord's Prayer that this is Jesus teaching us how to pray. Then he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Luke says something like, forgive us of our sins and know the sin who trespass and come against us. Same thing. So and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation. Don't, don't, don't allow the tempting things of the world to destroy us to do things that is not in your will. But deliver us from the evil one. See, the temptation of the evil one will draw you in and cause you to be lost or confused or messed up or mixed up. So, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But deliver us from the evil one. Let's take that verse, that latter part of that verse of the Lord's Prayer and our message today. But deliver us from the evil one. Murdering begins in the heart, but deliver us from the evil one. From the evil one. Now, this 14 verse is where I want you to focus 
what I've been talking about or what I mentioned a moment ago. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. So anything that someone has done against you, harm you, hurt you, any kind of way, if you don't allow forgiveness to work in your heart, which is where we are in Matthew 5 and 21, that you will build a murdering spirit. You say, well, I'm not a murderer, but see, if it builds, if the hatred of the pain builds inside of you, then eventually you will explode at some point. If someone keep agitating you or that situation again and again, you're going to react. Let me give you an example. I gave this example before. If you have a broken arm, you hadn't made it to the doctor yet, and that arm has been broken, and someone come up and grab that arm, as long as it's still until you get where you're going to get a splint or wherever you need on it to put it back in place, you're all right. But if someone touches it, bump it or grab it, you're going to react. You may react with words, or you may react with some action. In other words, the pain from the injury causes you to react instantly. So the same thing when you hold bitterness of hurt and pain in your heart, and when it builds, and then and the moment that someone triggers whatever it is that causes that pain to erupt in you, then you're gonna react. You're not gonna react to I'm sorry and all that. No, you're gonna react maybe verbally, or you're gonna react act action with activeness, with um, retaliation of some sort. And that action may not be good because you hit a sore spot. What are you talking about, preacher? What are you saying? This is what's happening. This is what we're seeing today. I've said it. I've mentioned it many times before. People are angry. You said, for what? There's a lot of reasons people can be angry. A lot of reasons. Abuse. Neglect. Somebody don't care. Lonely, hurt, wounded by uh, uh, relationships, all of that. Mom or dad is not around, don't have a father, don't have a mother. Mad because you're wondering why they're not there or, or ran off and left them, thrown them away, gave them away, or whatever the case might be. Whether we know it or not, young people are carrying around some hurt, but they, they, they're, they're in a way where believing that Nobody will hear them or listen to them or hear their side of their story. And so now what happens is it has built over the years and they've grown up with this. And then with everything that's in the world that's being shown, it doesn't help because the temptation that I told you about that that's in the prayer. Lead us not into temptation where the world promotes temptation of violence meaning to retaliate when someone hurts you. Vengeance when someone hurts you. Get back at someone when it hurts you. It's not promoting love. It's not promoting uh, forgiveness. It's not promoting kindness. It's still promoting hatred and bitterness. And everything that we see going on all around, from politics all the way down, 
People got hate and anger and bitter because they want things to be the way they want them to be. It's not about the way we want things to be. It's the way the Lord wants things to be. Once we gain that concept of understanding that it's all about the laws and the commands of God, then we can move into a better place. In a better place. I haven't even read the scriptures yet. In, in a better place. And look at this. Watch this right here. In Matthew 5 and 21. Jesus said, they says, you have heard that it was said to those of old. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the, of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool, Lord have mercy, shall be in danger of hell fire. First of all, let me address this to the young people. Young people, you know, you, you think that this word fool is, you know, is a real nice, kind word of expression how you feel, or just throwing it around. But look what the Bible says. This word is not a word that you need to play around with in calling one another a fool. This is what it says here. The Bible reads that whoever used this term shall be in danger of hellfire. Hallelujah. So let me back up just a moment, just a little bit. Whoever says to his brother Raka, the fool, Huh? Sign of hatred. The looking of a good for nothing, stupid, fool, vain, empty, and worthlessness. That's what that word means. That means there you're killing another person's integrity, tearing down their demeanor. Hallelujah. You see, the word doesn't come to tear down your demeanor. See, the word comes to discipline you, to raise the level of your mindset, to change from where you are to where you can be and where you need to be. But in the midst of the change, there's going to be a little hurt there. Yes. Because that's what happens when you're dressing a wound. It hurts when you're trying to fix it so it can get better. What God's word comes to fix you so that you can get better. The words of God don't come to make you feel so comfortable and good, but it will give you confidence that whatever you're dealing with in your life will make you feel better. But at the time of surgery, good God Almighty, that's what God's word performs surgery on you. It doesn't feel good. When you're on the operating table and they take you into the emergency room for the emergency that is needed for you or the surgery needed for you to, in order for you to be better, in order for the body to rebuild itself, defend itself to, to, to its natural place or state, then it's going to hurt. But it begins in the heart. So when you hold this stuff on the inside, that's what he says, when you hold it on the inside, when you hold it on the inside, then it's going to build, and then after a little while, it's going to erupt. It's going to explode. Sooner or later, it's going to erupt. 
It's also about relationship. Murder, murder begins in the heart. Also about personal relationships. Because this is most of the time where it builds from. Let me read these verses again. I really want you to get this. You have heard that it was said to the men of old. I mean, even way back in the old days. I'm going to take you back there. I'm going to take you back to Deuteronomy and show you. And it's going to just give you the commandments of God, what he had mentioned to them before they got started. But you have hold that you shall not murder, and whoever murder shall be guilty before court. But I say to you that everyone who continues to be angry, listen at that word angry, that's what I was talking about, angry, with his brother or harbors malice against him shall be guilty before the court. And whoever speaks, when, contemptuously and insultingly to his brother, which means insulting him like Raga calling him the fool or these different things, that's what I was mentioning to you, that term fool means empty-headed idiot, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin, and whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of the fiery hell. Fiery, fiery hell. Hallelujah. So here, the 23rd verse, watch this here. 23rd verse says this. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Now, look at this. Listen to this very well. Something against you. Then leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You see, brothers and sisters. You can run up in church holding this stuff on the inside and thinking you're going to give God all the glory and the praise and present your gift to him and expect him to accept it. And you're holding something on the inside. You will not accept it. He's already said you need to stop. Put it down. Don't even present it yet. First of all, you need to be reconciled. You need to be reconciled with your brother about the anger or the unforgiving or the bitterness or the hurt or the pain or whatever the thing that had happened to you between you two or others, if you can, reconcile it. Jesus said, if it be possible to be at peace with all men, so reconcile this before you come to him. Reconcile it. Reconcile it. Let me say it again. So if you are presenting your offering, your offering at the altar, and while there you remember that your brother has something, which means such a grievance as a grievance or a legitimate complaint against you, you should leave your offering there at the altar and go. See, wait a minute. See, they don't need to ask him for praise. They didn't even allow you to get the prayer. Say, leave the offering. Leave, leave it at the altar. He said, first make peace with your brother and then come, uh, then come and present your offering. Then come and present it. Then come and present it. Then come and present it. He says to come to terms quickly at the earliest opportunity with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way to court so that your opponent does not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you are thrown into prison. In other words, you need to fix this thing quickly. You need to fix it before you get to the courts. 
You need to fix it before it gets too deep in your heart. You need to fix it before it festers up as a sore where you're angry and you're mad. Now you can't forgive him. Now you can't let it go because you letting it You've letting it got to a place where it hurts too bad that you're mad and angry that you don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to hear nobody say nothing about forgiving anybody. And the first thing you begin to de uh, defend yourself in a way that, no, you can't tell me this. You don't know my hurt. You don't know that. No, I don't know your hurt. But I do know what Jesus said about hurt and pain is to forgive so that it will let go and it will heal you. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how sincere it is. See, letting it go, getting rid of it, giving it to Jesus. That's why he said in, 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 in 1 Peter 5 and 17, to cast your cares upon him. Cast your cares, your burdens on him. Give it to him. See, what, what society and human beings' problem are today, they are trying to fix their own issues within their mental state, spirit, spiritual state, in their mind, and these things are still bursting wide open. And now we have the hatred, the anger, the insults, that continuing to go on and on. Yes, it begins in the heart. It begins in the heart. Why? Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Things come out. The hurt and pain is held on the inside in there, in that pound of flesh. That flesh and one to retaliate for what the hurt someone had put on them to put it on somebody else. This is serious business here. It's so serious, we see the results of it already. We're looking at the results every day. Every day we see what is happening when hurt, when unforgiveness, when bitterness, when hatred, when anger, when insults rise. When it rides and when it's on the warpath. And it's on the warpath because the devil is using these temptations, these things. We just read to your Lord prayer and deliver us from the evil one. When you are overtaken by this thing, then you need to get on your knees and repent and pray and ask God to help you, to deliver you from the hands and the grip of the evil one. The evil one. The temptations, the things that he's drawn you into without you even realizing, not understanding what is happening. What is happening? He's out to steal your mind, to destroy your life, to kill you. And right now, right now, he's having his way. I don't like to give him that much, you know, but he's having his way with God's people because of the hurt and pain. So Deuteronomy in chapter 5 and 17 is one of the commandments that you shall not murder. You shall not murder. You shall not murder. These are the things that Moses reviewed with the children of Israel and how they should carry out and live among each other. And that carries on even in today's time. This was, this was what the writer was saying in the days of old. In the days of old, the same thing that happened then, the same thing that was told then, still 
means the same thing today. So now if I step back a little further and take you into Exodus, it's going to say the same thing about the commandments of God. See, these things were mentioned more than once to remind them of their behavior, how they were acting and the thing that was going on right there with them. In Exodus chapter 20, watch this right here. Exodus chapter 20 and verse um, 13 and 14. Yes, I'd like for you to see it and read it. See it and read it. And he lets us know. The first thing he tells us in 12, he said, Honor your father and mother, and that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, verse 13, and you shall not commit adultery. Now, these two things stand out. And if you think about these two things in the adultery and the thing that happened with adultery, you know, with someone else's spouse or a mate or whatever, uh, this here builds hatred and bitterness. This here builds anger and frustration. And now you want to hurt somebody or catching someone in the act. No one knows how they're going to react if they catch their spouse or loved one with someone else in the act of adultery. In the act of adultery. No one knows how they're going to respond. Because the pain of the incident is so great. It's so heavy. You don't know how you're going to react to it. So again, we need to come to a state of repentance. We need to come to a state of repentance. And it's time now. It's time now. So we go on where we read this from 21 down to 26. We're going back up to 23 so I can read it down to 26 in here in Matthew chapter 5. Therefore, if you be in danger of hell, fire, I mean, excuse me. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, and there, remember that your brother has something against you and leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. He said, agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. And the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown in prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. So in other words... Don't think that you can commit an act of crime and get away with it. It's not going to happen. doesn't matter. You say, well, it's self-defense. And it doesn't matter. It's self-defense. It's still, going, it's still murder. You say, well, how does it get to be murder when you take somebody's life? See, when hatred started and built the whole thing, then it causes you to retaliate because someone else did something to you and it puts you in a position to do something you wouldn't normally do. So when we when we build off the commandments of God, his main two commandments, his main two commandments, love him first with everything, with all our heart, mind, soul, and everything we got, and then love your brother, love your neighbor. I mean, love people like you love yourself. It won't get to that part. It won't get to whether you got to retaliate or defend yourself. 
It won't get to all of those things because when you read the commandments, it said not to cover our neighbors, you know, maid servant, man servant, and all of the things that he owned and all of that. Then it won't get to all of this murdering and killing. There is still too much hatred and anger in people's heart today that they've been holding for a long time. And nobody willing to let go. Because the adversary had played with people's minds saying, you know what? You don't need to take nothing off of nobody. You, you, you big, you don't, you don't play that. Don't nobody get over on you. You're a chump. You're a punk. Don't let nobody punk you out and all that. Man, please. It's not about being punked out. It's about being able to live to see another day. And the only way that we can live to see another day, because when we lose this life or when someone loses this life, there is no starting over. There is no second chance. There is no fixing anything. There's no fixing nothing. You see, 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 the word of God is, is meant to get to the solution of the problem, not scratch the surface. That's the way I minister. That's the way God had me ministry to get to the solution of the problem, the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is in the heart with the hate and the bitterness that people haven't let go. Years of hatred and racism and bitterness is still in people's heart and they haven't let go. Let me help everybody understand something. This world does not belong to you. The Bible lets us know the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. It's not yours. You don't even belong to you. It's not yours. Jesus is the one that you should be reaching and seeking in your life. Everybody. I don't care who he is, who he or she is. Jesus is the answer and the solution to all problems. Healing, deliverance, addiction, abuse, no matter what, Jesus is the answer. Just attending church, just to attend so you've been there is not enough if you haven't committed your life to Christ. And to commit your life to Christ, you have to obey the commandments of God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything you got, without any excuses. Living in a world... Too much hypocrisy, too much pretending and all of this and saying one thing and doing another. And yet the evidence shows us what's happening around us. No more training the children as they grow up the commandments of God and teaching them how to understand what they mean. You've thrown that out of the door. And now laws and everywhere in the land want to take down the commandments of God and all of those things that reminded us how we got to where we are in the first place. We didn't get to growth in this modernized society without God. We got there because of him. Because of him. Because of him. When I bag up in chapter 5 here, and it'll be added to where it says this here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not your will. Not your will. God commands. You see, we need self-denial. Mean to put self on the bottom totem pole and put God first. Humble and deny yourself. The only way that you can seek the kingdom of God, the only way that you can seek the spirit of God, the mind of God, you've got to seek him through humility and humbleness. Humilitous and humbleness. So blessed are the merciful. The merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. You got to have mercy on someone else in order for God to have mercy on you. You got to be willing to have mercy on someone else in order for the Lord to have mercy on you. You got to be willing to forgive somebody else if you want the Lord to forgive you. There's no if and buts about it. There's no ways around it. There's no turning if this. There's no intellectuality. There's no seminary. There's no theological. None of that answers this. Jesus giving the answer by his holy scripture and his word point blank and plain. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They're willing to do the will of God, to live his command, to live behind and stand for his command and perform the commandments in their lives. The pure hearts. A pure heart. I mean a clean heart. Remember David said it in Psalm 51, Lord created me a clean heart. Created me a clean heart and renewed a right spirit in me. Look, 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 God. I got the wrong spirit in me now. I got the wrong mindset. Lord, I need a new mindset. I need a new thought pattern. I need some new direction. I need some new instructions. Not this old temporary. Not this old traditionary. I need some real spiritual guidance here. Real spiritual direction here. And anybody afraid to give you the truth, then they're not standing on the standards of the will and the commandments of God. And if you're not ready to stand and live for what God commanded you to do, then you're not ready to live for Jesus. You're not ready. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Always trying to find ways to keep it peace, keep it peaceful, keep it calm, keep it, Lord have mercy, keep it in a way that you can forgive you one another. Why we got wars? Because people got hatred and bitterness and they want to control others and that's not their job to do. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Yeah, we see people, those of us that stand for righteousness, you know, we're going to get ridiculed all the time. For there is in the kingdom of heaven, we're going to get ridiculed for telling the truth. We're going to get ridiculed for preaching the truth. We're going to get ridiculed for telling you the truth and not holding back. First thing, you're going to deflect by saying you can't judge me. I don't have to judge. The word does the judging. I'm not the judge. The word does the judging. God's word does the judgment. And matter of fact, if you don't allow God's word to judge you, you'll never find any wrong in you. You'll never find any sin in you. You'll think you live righteously. You'll think you're okay. You'll think you're all right, but you're not. As long as you live in this fleshly body, you are not. 
And that's why we have to kill this flesh every day with God's word. With God's word. You're never going to get over your addictions. You're never going to get over your hurt. You're never going to get over your pain. You're never going to get over your unforgiveness, holding pride on the inside. It won't work. It won't work. Holding revenge, retaliation, wanting to get back. You know, you're not going to get, you're not getting any better. You're not going to get any better with that. Not going to get any better with that. You're not going to get any better with that. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. For my sake, for Jesus' sake. He says, but rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, as long as I preach this word the way I'm preaching, somebody going to persecute, lie, come against me. That's all right, because my reward is in heaven, not with you. It's in heaven. And that's the attitude you need to have. Do the will of God so your reward will be in heaven. Your reward would be in heaven. You see, I'm going to let y'all know something. I've already let you know this once before. The reward doesn't come from church attendance. The reward comes through committing your life to Christ. You can go to church 900 times out of the year, and if you haven't committed your life to Christ, you still haven't done anything. Everything has been vain. Here's the dedicated service. You want to read about it? Come go with me in the book of Romans chapter 12. The book of Romans chapter 12 will let you know, beginning at verse 1, if you want the dedicated service, the commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to live for him. You want to stand for him. You got to commit your life to him. You got to commit your life to the will. Be willing to give your life for his life, for his sake, for his word, for righteousness sake. Living sacrifices is what it is. Paul said it like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your bodies, this physical body, the physical body you're walking around with, a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Well, wait a minute. Living sacrifice is to come to the house of God. To accept God. But that's just the reasonable service. So attending church is the reasonable service. But the thing what we got to do is verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. You see, don't live where the world presents it. Or the temptations of the adversary that presents itself. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The perfect will of God. The perfect will of God. Let me read that again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, meaning dedicating all of yourselves 
meaning being set apart as a, as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, reasonable, rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Pleasing God. But the thing that we have to remember, and do not be conformed to this world any longer. Don't live that way any longer. Any longer with its superficial values and customs. But be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. So that you may prove what? Prove yourselves what the will of God is. See, this is the only way you can find out what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Purpose is given for you. For you. For you and I. For I say to you in verse 3, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to you each one a measure of faith. Each one got a measure of faith. A measure of faith the way God intended for them to be used. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you to think more highly, not to think more highly, not to think more highly of himself. You don't know it all. In fact, you don't know enough. I don't know enough. You don't know enough. Education will never give you enough. Seminary won't give you enough. It won't give you the revelation of God. It won't give you a complete understanding of God. God's Holy Spirit is the only thing that's going to give you his complete direction and understanding of what his will is. What his will is. His Holy Spirit. See, we spend time seeking church, but we need to be spend time seeking his spirit. Seeking his Holy Spirit, his presence to be in our lives. So by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability. See, he didn't say anything about him. That he ought to, that he ought to, huh? Think, but to think as to have sound judgment as God has a portion to each a degree of faith, which is a purpose Designed for service. Every man, every woman, every boy, every child, every girl, God has placed a measure of faith inside of you. And that faith, the only way that it's going to build is by the hearing of the word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You cannot build that faith. You cannot strengthen that faith without the word of God. You cannot go through everyday walk living without reading, meditating on God's word and expect your faith and confidence in him to be positive. It will not. This is why now, this is why now we live in a world where there are so many unbeliever, disbelievers, or used to be believers, or don't believe anymore. 
This is why we have people talking about God don't exist. This is why we have people talking about they are a God, that you are immortal, and that you are a God, and there is no evidence of who God is, and there is not this, and there is not that, and that you, you're the God. You make things happen. How are you going to make things happen when one day you're going to die? How you gonna how you gonna serve a, a image uh, of God that doesn't exist, that doesn't live, that can't perform anything? How you gonna say a God when a real God doesn't die? God can't die. We are human me beings made out of His image, but we are created and we're made, and one day we all are going to die. So how you gonna be a God? How you gonna be immortal? You see, the temptation, the shrewdness, the cunningness of the adversary, the evil one, have subdued people and got their minds twisted, got their mind mixed up. I don't know who you're listening to, but you need to be listening and reading God's word. And the Bible lets us know, just believe it, not figure it, not contemplate it, not try to turn it and twist it. Just believe it. Why? You know why he said just believe it? I just read it to you because he has given everyone a measure of faith in how and when and what to believe. So if you tap into God's word with your faith that the measure that he has given to you, then you will find a belief system inside of you to trust God at his word. Good God almighty. To trust him at his word. Not at somebody else's word, at his word. See, only, you can't trust me at my word. Trust me at God's word that I'm speaking to you right now. God's word. And God said it before his word passed away. Heaven and earth will pass away. And you know why? When you read St. John, what does St. John chapter 1 verse 1 say? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So how can his word pass away when he and his word are one and the same? One and the same. Jesus is the form of who God is in the flesh. I don't know why people are having a problem with that. Keep trying to separate God for who he is. God is the same that in the spirit and in heaven and the same that walked the earth in Jesus in flesh. He's the same God. And Jesus answered it and told him, he said, if you've seen me, you have seen my father. If you've heard of me, you've heard my father. My father and I are one. We, we try to twist things because we become so educated and intellectual and we want to fix things the way we want to fix it. No, it is not about your intellectuality or your degrees and all of that, your diplomas. You can throw them out the window when it comes to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit trumps all of those things if you want to use your card references to understand that. It, it overwhelms all of those things. There's nothing man can teach you greater than God's word. And the only way that he can teach you what is as good and as relevant as God's word is by the guidance and under the unction of the Holy Spirit. No other way. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody ought to thank the Lord this morning that it's time out for the games that you play. It's time out for fooling yourself. It's time out for fooling yourself. It's time for you to say yes. 
it's time for you to completely say yes to his will, to his way. It's time to let him know that you need him. It's time to call on him today. It's time to let him have his way. You got to reach deep down on the inside and answer him yes. Yes, you'll go. Yes, you'll commit your ways. Yes, you'll live for him. Yes, you'll stand for him. Yes, you'll die for him. You got to be ready for that. It's time now. It's time to walk away from the ways of the world and walk into the will of God, the presence of the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to take over. Allow the Holy Spirit to do his will. Let him have his way. Let him have his way. Let him have his way. Let me pray with you. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your true word, your infallible word, your indestructible word, your incorruptible word. Nothing but plain, holy, directional word. Father, the convicting word and convincing word that will touch our hearts and our mind and reach down deep in the heart, cleanse out those evil spirits and renew the right spirit within us. Father, we thank you right now. We give you the glory, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you give us ears to hear what the spirit had to say unto the church. We thank you and we praise you forevermore. We magnify your holy name. We lift you up. In Jesus' name, we praise you, we glorify you, we say amen. We say amen. We pray that the word of God have touched you today. And remember, if you really want more and live impactful word with us, remember to be with us on May 28th, 10.30th. Be with us to hear the word of God in the name of Jesus. And let it have an impactful way. If you're ready for a change, a new life, a real change, not a hypocritical, the real deal. To commit to him. Meet Jesus. God bless you. Selah. May the peace of God be with you. Amen. Amen.